I want to bring this gentleman up. This gentleman here, I've known him for, I don't want to say how long, because then it's going to make both of us look old, and he older than me, so it's going to make him look older. But when I was a college student, man, there was a friend of mine I went to college with named Richard Butler, and we would drive from Atlanta, Georgia to, I mean, I'm sorry, from Tallahassee, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia on the weekends. And there was a real country dude on the other line, like, man, y'all just come on up here. I got the gas money, man. I got everything to eat. Y'all just come on. I take care of everything. So we would roll up to Tallahassee, I mean, to Atlanta from Tallahassee, and he would drop, fill up the gas tank so we could run around Atlanta and go to studios. And then on the way back, he would give us some money to eat, and he would also give us gas money to get back. Now, we thought this man was filthy rich, but what he was was just a genuinely good-hearted, good-intentional individual. And this man has done some amazing things in his career. And he, he, and mind you, this is a man of few words. So for me to convince this brother to get on a plane to even come here to talk to y'all today is like a miracle. What it shows is the growth at the, that this man has had over the years of dealing with some of the biggest stars, started the careers of some of the biggest songwriters in the world, some of the uh, some of Milwaukee's greats, including myself. He helped me in my career uh, coming up. So. I want y'all to show some love, none other than Crown World's uh, Entertainment's own CEO, Vincent Cersei. Y'all show him some love. So check this out, y'all. Me and Cersei go back years and years and years. So in case you guys didn't know, everybody know Rico Love. That's when I said Richard Butler, I was talking about Rico Love. So Rick, uh, me and Rico went to college together and he, was all, he used to always talk to me about coming to Atlanta because I would go to Atlanta, but I would go to just the party. He would go to work. And he was like, you got to come to Atlanta to meet my man, Cerse, because we call, his name is Vincent Cerse, but we call, everybody call him Cerse, Cerse. So he's like, you got to meet my man, Cerse. So I would go, and I met Cerse, and he was just the most welcoming individual. So Cerse, talk to us about how did you discover that you wanted to be in the music business in the beginning anyway? Well, honestly, I never wanted to be in the music business. I was always a basketball player. And uh, my senior year in college, two guys from Milwaukee that was on my basketball team in Texas, uh, William Mathis and Tushane Mark. They was like, it's some talented guys in Milwaukee, man. I know you're from Atlanta. I know you know a lot of people. Uh, you should meet them and see if you can help them. He called both of them. He called Rico Love, and he called a guy named Bree Love. Mm -hmm. They both rapped me on the phone. They freestyled. Actually, Bree Love was a better rapper, better freestyler than Rico, but Rico just had so much confidence and personality. I was like, this guy seemed like a star. So I told him to meet me in Atlanta that following weekend. This is in the middle of basketball season now. I said, meet me in Atlanta. So I flew, I flew from Texas to Atlanta. He came down from FAMU to Atlanta. We met for the first time, hit it off, and you know, it was on from there. So that was my excitement. That was, that's what made me excited about being in the music business, was Rico. Once I met Rico and see how much of a star he was, that's what made me excited about it. So now, when you met Rico and you saw how much of a star he was, what happened to basketball? I still played basketball, but of course, I had two, I tore, I had two torn Achilles mm -hmm. and a torn meniscus. I was being looked at uh, by Portugal to go play overseas in Portugal after college. Right. So I had to make a decision, Portugal or music. Right. And I chose music, and I feel like that was the best decision ever made. I, I feel like it too, because y'all listen. I'm sitting up here with this man right now. I need to go home and get some diamonds because it's a diamond shortage. The man got all the diamonds <laughs> in the world right now. You know what I'm saying? He had to have made the right decision because I don't know if he'd be shining like this with the Portugal, man. So check this out, sirs. So in the beginning of the career, when you first started working with Rico, what was the process that you guys had 
when it comes to building records? Did you did you did you know he was a songwriter or you just thought he was a rapper? Well, no, actually he was just a rapper. He was just a rapper. Songwriting wasn't even a thought at that moment. Uh, how songwriting started was uh, we were signed to Usher and you know things wasn't moving as fast as we wanted to. So Usher gave him a Just Blaze track. Said, "How about you write to these Just Blaze tracks? This might help your career." Rico wrote a rap song. I was like, yeah, that's dope, but you should write a song for Usher. He's like, nah, I'm not a writer. And plus, Usher won't respect me. So he said, I said, well, do it for me. He said, okay. He went and wrote a record. So it had him still rapping on it. He rapped up eight bar, and then had Usher singing. Then he go back to rapping and Usher singing. I was like, nah, bro, you should write a, a full R&B song for Usher. He's like, bro, I'm not a writer. I said, well, just do it for me. He said, okay. He ended up writing a full song and ended up being throwback for Usher. So that was the beginning of his writing career. Now, that's the art of persuasion. In case y'all didn't understand what Serge did there, he made, he believed in something. He believed in it so much so that he persuaded someone who didn't do what they thought they couldn't do, that he knew they could do, into doing something that changed both of their lives. Like that's a, that's right. Something somebody that has that kind of skill is hard to find. That's able to persuade you to believe in yourself when you don't even believe in yourself. A lot of times, those are the individuals that get overlooked. Which is why I brought Sergio here today because he not only did that for Rico, he did it for other artists, as we will find out at his journey. Um, so once Rico wrote that first record for Usher, what was the next steps for you guys? Uh, at Crown World Entertainment. The next step was to take writing more serious. Of course, Rico still, his first love is rapping. So, of Absolutely. course, we still continue to make it as a rapper. Uh, but also, we start getting calls for writing records. So, after he wrote Throwback, you know, L.A. Reid and Usher was excited about Rico. So, they ended up calling him in for other records. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis had a record called Seduction. Right. They, brought, they brought Rico in to co-write that. Mm -hmm. So, Rico actually ended up writing like three or four records on the Confessions album, which is the number one selling album of all time. Right. So, you know, from that, you know, that built his R&B career and, you know, it's also built, built his popularity as a rapper. Right. Right. So, that makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Sir, so now, Rick is going as a writer. He's, he's starting to get in, obviously, if you on the biggest selling album, like a Confessions, a diamond selling, probably 20 plus million right now Absolutely. selling album, right? Yeah, it is. I think I've seen the black on your wall. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now you guys have credibility. Yes. Credibility is key in this industry. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of times where people ghost, quote unquote, ghost write. Now, that doesn't occur in R&B, but in rap, people ghost write where they write the lyrics for somebody, mm -hmm. but the other person gets the credit. But you guys have the thing, this thing we call credibility, which is extremely important in the industry. What are your next steps with him as a writer now that he has credibility as a writer? You as the, and mind you, he's managing Rico at this time. I never, I skipped that part, so I apologize. He's Rico's manager at this time. Well, the next step was just to keep networking and building. Keep in mind, we're both new to this business. Absolutely. So neither one of us knew the business, but we learned as we go, we grew together. So, you know, we were just trying anything that we could, networking with different people, doing different sessions and whatever we could do just right. to get our name out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, once you're getting into sessions, things are going. What are you looking at as far as building a team for Crown World, for him or for any other clients that you have? What are some team building uh, dues that you have when it comes to building your team around whatever clients you're dealing with, whether it's a, a songwriter, an artist, or whatever? What are some, some go-tos that you look for as a, a CEO in building a team? The main thing for me with anything, whether it's an artist or whether it's a, another executive I'm bringing on the team, is passion. I follow passion. Okay. So if you're super passionate about something, those are the people that I tend to be attracted to. 
So that's the main thing for me. Like, so it's almost like people, artists, they look for managers or they're looking for different people to work with. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, how do you know if it's a good manager? Well, see, it depends on how passionate they are about you. Sometimes people are chasing a check. That might not be the right manager. Follow, find people that's passionate about your career, your music, and those. So that's for me, that's what I look for is passion. Passion. Now, yeah. in passion, it seems like because I've dabbled in the management world myself. Yeah. And in having passion, does it? are there times where you as the manager care more about the artist's career than they do? For me, I think it's always that. But, you know, sometimes you have artists that's, that's work just as hard as you. So, like, Rico was a guy that was super passionate about what he do. He was a super hard worker, and he was consistent. So that's what excited, about me, excited, me, excited me about him. Right. Yep, okay, so. so now you also work with uh, artist, uh, well, artist slash actor Jacob Lattimore before, yes, right? Yes. Right. So now, what did you see in Jacob? Super. Because strong. he's such a he was a little kid. Yep. So what did you see in him that made you say, "I gotta," you know? It's almost the same thing with like Rico, right? So when I first saw Jacob, he was dancing. Rico had said, "Let's do a party in Milwaukee." We came to Milwaukee, and Rico's on stage, and they brought Jacob out, and he all he did was dance. He didn't sing. I didn't know he was a singer. All he did was dance, but I was like, this kid is a superstar. Just from seeing him dance and just his personality, I was like, he's a star. I think that was my gift that God gave me, being able to spot a, a superstar. Absolutely. Because, again, when I met Rico, I met him over the phone, and it was just the way his conversation that he had with me. It wasn't rap, because remember, I said, Brie loved rap better than him. Right. But it was how Rico's confidence and his, and, and his personality were attracting him. So with Jacob, he was like, I think he was like seven years old, and his Personality was super huge, and his dancing was amazing. I'm like, this kid's a star. Got you. So now you're starting to work with Jake at seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. What is your mindset when, work, when working with, from going from working with a grown man, Rico, mm -hmm. to a child? What's your thought process? Again, I didn't meet Jacob uh, not too long after I met G Rico, so probably like a year or two. So again, I still don't fully know the music business as Absolutely. much as I should, but again, I was passionate about it, and I knew I was a hard worker, and I was going to be consistent in whatever I do. So once I met Jacob, you know, um, the great thing about Jacob is he already had a good team around him and a good support system. His family, his mom was his manager, and she was also in the music business, so it wasn't just me, so she helped me Right. You know, we did it together. We had a real team. So it was me, his mom, and the team that I had, which was Henry and a few other people. So right. I had a full team around me, people that were smarter than me, to help me and my team and my company grow. Now, see, I didn't want y'all to miss that. I, did, I don't know if y'all caught what this brother just said. He worked with people that were smarter than him. And the thing was, he knew what his asset, his attribute, I'm sorry, to the team was consistency. So when other people... And I'm talking as if I don't know this story because I'm talking to my friend, but I was there. So everything he's saying is actual, actual and factual, as TLC said back yeah, then. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So I want to make sure y'all understand y'all didn't miss that. He worked with people that were smarter than him in certain areas. Why? Why is that important? Because the ego was not involved. When you put ego in there, we got a thing that we say, you edge God out which means you add your blessings out at the same time. Or whatever you believe in, I just happen to believe in God. So you edge your higher power if you don't believe in God out. So you have to make sure that ego does not become your enemy when it's time to make the next steps because you never know who's going to bless you at what point. So now we're working with Jacob. We're working with Jake. He's getting older. Jacob gets a deal. Gets a deal at Jive. Yes, with Jive Records at Jive Records at the yep. time. Mm -hmm. So now, from the, all the hard work is starting to pay off with Jake. Mm -hmm. 
Now, in, in from the beginning of working with Rico, because I want I like to be I like to keep stuff real because I want people on the other side to understand this thing is just not all glitz and glam. You know what I'm saying? There were some hardships, so I want to dig into some hardships. So from working with Rico and to working with Jacob, going through to when Jacob got his deal, were there hardships? that you faced? Absolutely, there's always hardships. So so for me, again, I said two, uh, some things that I mentioned was about passion. I was always passionate about everything, so which means I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna spend all my money, all my time, and go hard to break an artist and do what it is to make the artist happen. Absolutely. And we spent a lot of time and money on trying to make these artists work, like taking trips back and forth. And, and when, when we traveled, we didn't just travel, me and artists, we traveled 10, 10, 12 people at a time. So, right. you know, some of the hardships was we, we got to points where we was dead broke. Yep. We even got to the point where we had to come stay with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those are some of the hardships, you know, just like going hard, doing what we have to do. We did make a lot of bad decisions, again, because we were learning. We yeah, we was learning as we go. Didn't fully know the business, so we spent a lot of money in places we didn't. We shouldn't have spent money, right. but all that was a learning experience. Now, let's go there. Because artists do this all the time today. People spend money for uh, different people to do things for them. Uh, what are they called? Consultants. They get different consultants. Yeah. They, they, they got a consultant to do this and a consultant to do that. But the consultant ain't even legitimate in the thing they're getting the consultant fee for. Yes. So let's talk yeah. about some of those faulty consultants, if we, if we will. What are some of the consulting uh, things or, ish, or people that you paid that didn't, not, we're not going to say their names, but what are some areas that you spent money in that you don't think you should have spent money in, you could spend it somewhere else? Well, like this example. We, we spent money in marketing, we spent money on PR, we spent money in a lot of different places mm -hmm. that we didn't get the results that we should have. Absolutely. Got. So what is a time frame, if, let's say if I hire a PR, what is a time frame I should be getting a return on my investment or seeing movement? with my PR, let's well, use that example. Well, first, I feel like an artist should get his buzz going on its own organically before you even hire a PR. So we like, need the buzz first. Yes, let, let's get something going. Let's get something going before we even think about spending money on the PR first. Right. Because at the end of the day, they can't do nothing if you're not doing that for yourself yet. Absolutely. So you got to get them some to work. And that's, and that's the problem. A lot of people pay these publicists and feel like they didn't get the results they want. It's just because they ain't got nothing to work with. You got to give them something to work with. You got to give them something to work with. Absolutely. Now, let's say in, in, on marketing, so now we got something to work with. We get a PR. Is the PR the same as the marketer or that's two different things? I'm asking it's, for it, them. It's two different things. Okay. Uh, and what I will say, again, before you even get to PR, like you should, the most important thing for me, I feel like an artist should do is focus on a digital marketing person. Find you the right digital marketing person right. to help build your socials, help Absolutely. build everything and help build your algorithms on the DSPs. Right. So basically nowadays it's transition. So back in the day when we was coming up, we were trying to get in magazines. We were trying to get in uh, different things like, like hard copy things. Now it's, everything is digital. So I heard someone say, I don't know if it was like Steve Stout or something, but you need like a digital marketing expert or something like that. Somebody who does everything for you social media wise, Absolutely. where they run your social media as if they were a big conglomerate. Is that, that, does Absolutely. that make sense? Absolutely. So you need someone to be on your social media going heavy because one thing about algorithms, they change every two, three months. Yeah. And you gotta stay on top of the change. And if you're not abreast to that, that type of thing, you, you gotta have somebody who's on point with it at all times. Absolutely. And that's how some of the artists who are independent look if they're not independent because they have a hell of a digital marketing team. Is that correct, Absolutely. sir? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So now, in today's world, well, no, let's, let's stick back to, 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 to Jake. What was the transition uh, when you were working with him from music 
to TV and film? Well, I think it's similar to like Enrico's situation. Remember, the rap career wasn't moving as fast as we wanted to. Right. So I, I said, let's try writing. And we tried writing and it worked. So with Jacob, we had a deal, but things wasn't moving as fast as we wanted to. Uh, we was always getting some buzz. We was getting buzz and building momentum, but it wasn't moving as fast as we wanted to. So again, we tried something different, which was the TV and film side. And it was the best move again for him. Right. So yep. now with the TV and film side, did you just jump out the window and say, let's do TV and film? Or did you get like an agent? Like what was the, the, the process to getting in that situation? Well, what did you, you guys wait, do? So, so from the beginning, like again, for me, um, again, I didn't fully know the business. So I tried everything entertainment. So, you know, for me, it wasn't just about music. It was about everything. So we tried, we created our own commercials. We created our own TV shows. We created a, 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 a mock magazine. We tried everything. Mm -hmm. So when we used to go to labels, they were just like, yeah, that's cool, but that's too much because we had everything. They was like, let's focus on music, but we didn't just focus on music. We focused on everything entertainment. And then fast forward, a thing came out, which was called the 360 deal, yep. which consists of everything entertainment. Right. But we was always doing it, but we was like a little ahead of the curve. So with us, we were just trying anything. We knew Jacob was a star, so why, focus, why just focus on music? Let's do TV and films. Let's do modeling. Let's do whatever. Right. And he was just great at everything he you know and the tv side took tv and film side took off absolutely so i remember him having to go to an agency back in the day yes. all the time to do like i don't know if it was for acting work or i'm not i'm not, I'm not familiar with the agency side but he ended up going to an agent yeah and that agent was a part of the team to help get him pitch two movies in tv or or get him auditions or auditions okay. get him auditions yes so you you get an agent to get auditions mm -hmm. that's what i want to get that was the point i was trying to make the manager didn't get the auditions. That wasn't the manager or the management team's job or the company's job. The company's job was to, again, find someone. I'm beating this point in for a reason. Letting go of the ego, finding someone that is good in that particular area and bringing them in to work that area of expertise. Again, ego is not involved. Understand the concept of making sure that ego is not around because when you have ego, you begin to mess up the process of elevation. So now we got Jacob an agent. Jacob is moving, starting to act, uh, starting to take auditions. What's the first thing he land? Do you remember? Uh, the first thing was a movie called Banishing on Seventh Street. Yep. That was the very first movie. And uh, the very first movie, I think the very first TV show was a show called One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. Yep. I remember that. Mm -hmm. One Tree Hill. Yep. Got you. So we got a question for you, sir. Okay. Let's go to this question right quick. Because I asked 100,000 questions. <laughs> okay, the question says, from TV land, how does an independent artist get a digital marketing team? Marketing team? I think with, it's like with anything. You got to do your research and, and do a background check on people. Because there's a lot of people that say they do digital marketing. There's a lot of people say they do whatever. But you got to, you know, it's like when you go apply for a job, they do a background check on you. So you got to do a background check on people even before, you give them the, before you give them your money. Absolutely. And, and look at results. So it's like a person can't tell me how to do something if you ain't doing it for yourself. Absolutely. It's, so. like, it's like me being a barber with no clippers. Right. <laughs> or I'm a bald head barber, which I think I'm a bald head barber, so I'm just making an <laughs> ex excuse, uh, 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 idea. So I'm a bald head barber with no clippers. So I probably don't cut hair well because I probably mess my own head up. And I ain't got clippers. So how can I tell you how to cut your hair? Or I am a real estate agent with no license. What am I really selling? You know what I'm saying? Now, I ain't saying you can't do it because you can do other types of ways of being in the real estate business, but am I a real estate agent if I don't have a license? So you, or, if I, or I ask you like this, you have heart problems. You have to have open heart surgery. 
Are you going to go to an ear, nose, and throat specialist to have open heart surgery? It just doesn't make sense. You got to research that. The same thing applies when you're in this music industry. You can't give people your money and they're not validated in that area. So make sure you do your research on these people. Research me. Research sirs. You're going to see we pop up. That we just not up here selling wolf tickets. We got credentials behind what we're talking about. Yep. We've been through the storm and rain. That's why neither one of us got hair. We used to have waves. <laughs> I had a 360 back in the day. I had a box. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> the stress of the music industry. We it's over with. We gone. Yeah. Another you know? thing I want, another thing I want to add to that question is uh, yeah. And I said do your research, but they yeah. want they might say, well, how do I start the research? Yeah. So look at an artist, an independent artist that's successful, and figure out who they use. Right. Like, so you got artists that's doing good in, independent, like Money Long, right? Yep. She started off independent and blew up, right? With the Hours and Hours record. Do research and find out who did the digital marketing for her. Right. And that's the people, the person that you probably might need to reach out to. Absolutely. Did y'all catch that? Make sure you do your research off of people that are already out. That's important. All right, so now Jacob is starting to get movies, movie roles and film. At this point in your career, what are you thinking now that now that your artist Rico is writing hits for everybody? Jacob is doing his thing. He in movies with Will Smith and uh, uh, I forgot the lady's name. It was a movie that they were all in together. But big stars. Angela Bassett, Jennifer Hudson. All everybody. See what I'm saying? Yep. Now, what, what's your thought process as the one who helped these individuals, you know, gave them a push to go where they're going? What, what's your thought process, thought process now? My thought process was to maximize on what Rico was doing, maximize on what Jacob was doing, and then also try to duplicate that and do it with the new artist, the next artist. Got you. Got you. Now, in that, and working with Rico and Jacob and all them, used to manage a writing, a writing team called The Connect. Yes, sir. Right? And these, was, these were three songwriters, were individual writers, producers, engineers, vocal producers, or whatever. Two was from Milwaukee. Yes. And one was from Kentucky. Kentucky. Right. Yeah. So the one from Kentucky name was Tyon Christian Mack. TC. We call him TC. Yes, sir. Another one was name was Lachey. Martin, Martin, Tony. Yes. She got married, so yes, she, yes, we yes. got to throw the Tony on there. Yep. We can't disrespect yeah, B. You're right, you're right. Right? And then another guy named was Chad. I think his name was C. No Roper. Yes, sir. Yeah, he was that, that guy was a genius. I don't know if y'all heard this Chad C. No Roper dude, but this dude was a genius. He still is today. I don't know. He kind of looked like me, too. Yeah. So when you work with this writing team, how do you juggle three personalities? One personality is strong. That's that Chad guy I was talking about. Yep. Big mouth, always aggressive. Then we got another one who's kind of like a laid back, which is the TC guy. Very talented, uh, melodic genius. Yes. Then you got this other girl, this other woman who's a hustler of all hustlers who will write songs but will be doing hair at the same time. So by Lachey, we just they just all different. How do you deal with three different personalities? I think the main thing was, like you said earlier, no ego was involved with me. Right. right? So it just like... Uh, I believed in the group and I listened to the group. So, you know, I listened to the group on their opinions and what they want to do. And my job was to help build on what they wanted to do. Absolutely. So I think that was the main thing. Right. Being a, being a people's person and having no ego. Absolutely. Now, you helped this group get their first placement. The group wrote a song with a producer named Sounds, who's originally from Milwaukee as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Kenneth Kobe. Well, he go by BMW yeah, Kenny. BMW Kenny. Yeah. So, we, they, they wrote a song called Acapella Something Is Missing. For Brandy. For Brandy. But originally, that, had, that situation had to get ushered in. 
Now, we didn't know the people to usher in. You met those people along the way while working with Jacob, which shows the retention of uh, building relationships, the importance, I should say, of building a relationship, relationship building. So I forgot the gentleman's name that you sent the song to. We recorded the song on a Sunday, and you sent it to, I forgot the guy's name, man, the A&R, but whoever the A&R name was at the time. You sent it to him on Sunday. We sent the record to LaShawn Daniels, yep. the late, great LaShawn Daniels, yes. to get recorded Thursday or something like that. Now, that came because of the relationship you had. Yep. The, the, wrong, the record, for the record, the record was fire too, by the way. It, he could have said, if the record was garbage, it would have never happened. So we had to give him something to sell. Like he said prior, the record was just that dope. We, later on, we ended up writing a song for an artist by the name of Leona Lewis, who was like a London, she was from London, but she was like a, a pop type artist. Mm-hmm. And Jacob's A&R, Wayne Williams, Wayne DJ Wayne Williams, um, we still gave you the record said, we, this song is for Leona Lewis. So Cersei's was like, I don't know. This, I think there's a couple places it can go. But we we so adamant about her because at the time, she was getting ready to do this big record with Pop and Oak. Yeah. So you remember that? And he's like, but let, hold on once. Y'all just hold on a minute. Let me see what I can do. Now this day, this was like the weekend, like like a Friday or Saturday. We get a record to Cersei. Cersei sends it to Wayne Williams. Yep. Wayne Williams calls Cersei back and says what? Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> we wrote a record for a woman, gave it to Cersei for this woman who was under the same label. Cersei sends it to Wayne. Wayne said, nah, dog, this record could go for the Backstreet Boys. Now mind you, we, we not Backstreet Boys fans. We like grown people. You know what I'm saying? We not like teenage teenage girls. You know what I'm saying? But one thing about the Backstreet Boys, and we arguing with Cersei like, no, nah, man, why would we do that? That don't make sense. Cersei's like, are y'all crazy? Y'all know how many records they sold? They sold over 200 million records. Why wouldn't you go do it? Now, he has to convince us to go get some money. That's your job as a manager, to be able to be convincing. Remember I was telling you about the art of persuasion? He persuaded us. That was a Saturday. On Tuesday, we was in L.A. with the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Having a ball. Absolutely. Could not believe what we was doing. <laughs> All because of relationship retention, no ego, and the ability to have the art of persuasion. This all comes when you're building a team, Absolutely. which is what I'm leading. I'm, I'm telling it this way so that you can catch where we're going with this. So now, we do the Backstreet Boys record. Everything comes out. There are issues in the Backstreet Boys record. I got to tell the whole story. We're not going to tell half the story. The record gets placed. There's issues. They want to change the producers out yes. of the record. I'm a very loyal guy. Loyal to the fault. We should have let them change the producers <laughs> once, we, once we got later on down a lot of life. But because we were loyal, we fought to keep the producers there. One of the producers was an amazing guy, DJ Camper. One of the other producers, not so, not so much so. But we were trying to be loyal. So we had to have a meeting about if we were going to take the record from the Backstreet Boys. We weren't doing that, by the way. Or how were we going to position ourselves so that everybody that was a part of the song could eat. It was five of us that was a part of that record. And I remember having a conversation with you in my living room about this. And your main do you remember what you said to me? I don't. The, your main, <laughs> his, his main thing was, we got to get the record placed. 
We got to figure out how to make the business work. This is not anything personal. We have to find out how do we need to make the business work. So what we agreed to, which I thought was genius, which was what he came up with, was to let the producers who originally produced the song keep their publishing, but pay the producer production fee to the new producers. Yeah, yeah. So what we did was we paid them for their work, but the people who were the original publishers of the song retained the publishing. If you know how hard this is, how much of a juggle this is, you would really commend this man for even thinking of something like that. And then you would have to commend us for not having an ego and wanting the money because we made some nice money after the song came out. You know what I'm saying? Now, search when it comes to things, situations like that, what make what makes you step outside of your the the situation and deal with the actual business? What part of you does that? I think I wasn't looking at the music business or business. I just it's just my background, how I was raised, right? So again. My upbringing and me growing up in the streets, I think different than the music business people. A music a music guy wouldn't have thought to do that, right? So, I, again, I didn't know the business fully. I just figured how I would handle the situation in the street. And that's why I just thought of some creative thing that would work. It probably didn't make sense for the business side, but it ended up working out for everybody else. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So now, being able to adapt on the fly is a key element of being now mind you this is a ceo i'm talking to i'm not talking to like he a manager for about this is a ceo he's been running this company for how many years now sirs 20 20 years you know what i'm saying some people ain't even 20 years old watching this so it's been before you was born he's been running his company you understand what i'm saying so now we get later on we walking we continue our walk you got you helped everybody get where they want to go rico blow up tc blow up as a songwriter you get him a pub deal over at sony atv with walter jones yeah. uh I, I'm doing my thing with Big Sound over here. Me and Shay doing our thing. Now, Jacob is superstar. We see him. He got mustache, goatee now. You know, we don't even recognize him. He's like, what up? What's cracking with y'all? You know what I'm saying? Before he was like, man, what's cracking? You know what I'm saying? So he's a he's a grown man doing his thing. Now, what, do you, what is your thought process? You help everybody get where they're going. What is your thought process now as a CEO of how do you continue to do business in this business what's your next move after you send everybody basically everybody graduate you send everybody on their way what's your next move next at that time was again to duplicate what i did what i was able to do in the beginning right so now who do you pick up who do you start managing because you manage some you either manage some someone name we can't say but other a lot of names you manage like the k michelle yes yes uh, yes somebody else we can't we don't want to mention but <laughs> help them in their career you just you, yeah. uh Harmony Samuels Harmony as a producer. Yep. Um, I think I got to a point where I was kind of, I wanted to try something different. I've done the music side my whole career. Uh, right. Let me step on the other side. So what I was doing, I started consulting for a couple of people, and then I got into the catalog acquisitions, which is something different for our community. Absolutely. You know so I said, let me try something different. Let me try find a lane where a lot of people, it's not cluttered. Let Absolutely. me go try something different. Let right. me go left field. So I stepped into catalog acquisition, which a mentor of mine, which is my partner with Jacob Lattimore, a guy named Jeremy McGaffin, rest yeah. in peace. Uh, he taught me the business. He showed me everything. Every call he had with the business manager, with the lawyers, with everybody, he allowed me to be a part of those calls. So I learned that side of the game. The catalog acquisition side. The catalog side. acquisition side. Okay, so now we're going to dive into that. But before we okay. dive into that, we got a question okay. from the people. We got a couple questions for the people. Okay. This one question says, so many artists want, 
want to help friends and hire them even though they're not qualified to help in their career. What are your thoughts about hiring friends for PR, marketing, slash consulting? At, at, at the end of the day, everything for me is about results. Right. So, you know, it's cool to hire friends, but they still got to be qualified to do what they say they can do. You gotcha. Know? At so, the end of the day, you got to be qualified to do the job. Absolutely. Friends, family, don't matter. And, and, and if you're not qualified in this space, I, may, I might need to bring you on as something else. So we, we'll figure out something. But if I need a digital marketing person, I need somebody that's qualified as a digital marketer. If I need a publicist, I need somebody that's qualified as that. It's my friend. You can help me with something else. Go find me an artist. Go bring me an artist. Go do something different. But you can't be my digital marketing. You can't be my PR. You can't be my manager if, not, if you're not qualified. At that. Absolutely. What you don't want, artists songwriters or producers you do not want an unorganized manager that's the worst thing to have the unorganized manager is going to mess up at some point in a big way for you you got to make sure your your manager is a very organized individual so please take note of that another question i have i'm a part of a duo and i feel when we have the best reg i feel that we have the best reggaeton album to be released in the last 5 years by a reggaeton duo and we don't know how to get it in the right hands even what steps to take to reach these people those people especially being a Milwaukee Spanish genre is a little harder here in Milwaukee do we have to move to make it no and you shouldn't have to try to reach these people. They should be reaching you. So you need to do what you need to do on your own and build your buzz up yourself where they come looking for you, not you looking for them. Right. So if you call the labor every day, they're not excited about signing you. Right. Whether they're, whether they're your friend or not. But if you, got, if you got a buzz going, you want them to call you, that's how you get leverage. That's how you get a, a more favorable deal. Absolutely. So make sure what he's talking about is the art of leverage. In any deal you do, you have to have leverage. Because if I got all the power and all the leverage is on my end, the deal is more than likely going to go my way. So make sure you understand the art of leverage is what he's speaking of. You want people to want to work with you. You don't want to be so hard up where you want to work with everybody. And then when it's time, because what it's going to do is going to cut into your money. So the art of leverage is important. Yes, I'll give you another example. After I signed Jacob, right, uh, my name was buzzing a little bit from Rico and Jacob and K. Michelle. So it got to a point where... I was able to get deals off of people believing in me and relationship. But I used to always tell clients, that's not a good thing because you want them to believe in you, not doing it because they believe in me. Right. Like, and we've done a deal where the label believed in me and not necessarily the artist, and the artist just said, and right. they never came out. So, right. you know, that's why you got to build your buzz up and build your momentum up as an artist. Absolutely. So what, you got to make sure that the leverage is on you, not on just your team. And that's key. Because ain't nothing like sitting on the shelf. You think you made it, and um, you don't get the opportunity to show the world what you're made of. So do you think that Spanish artist duo have to move to, to get known, or they just need to better themselves as a, as a duo? No, they just need to work harder and stay consistent. They don't have to move. You can make it anywhere. You see artists blowing up all the time, and Nelly blew up from St. Louis. He didn't come to Atlanta in New York. He right. blew up in St. Louis. Right. So Rico didn't blow up. He, it happened for him in Atlanta, but it, it, you know, it could happen while he was still living in Milwaukee. You know right. what I'm saying? So it don't matter where you're at. It's about you and your movement and having the right team and trusting the process. Absolutely. And one thing about it, if you want something, you'll go. I used to be a high school teacher. I would get on the plane every weekend and come to Atlanta. Yeah. I still lived in Milwaukee, 
But I would get on the plane. I would have on a shirt and tie. Do starts picking me up. I got on a shirt and tie from leaving class because I was a teacher. Like I was trying to get to the real money. I was making twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars a year. That's peanuts. Right. That's bills now. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta make sure you get out there and hustle. Yeah. I got another question for you from the TV land. I'm an artist trying to figure out which route to take to progress my career. Is now a good time to hire a manager to help me re to help redirect me? If not, when is a good time? When is the right time to hire a manager? I don't think you should have a manager unless you got something to manage. There That's you just go. My belief. I agree. Like, what is he managing? Like, you got to figure out. Who you are as an artist, what your brand is, what you're selling. You need to figure that out. Absolutely. Like, it shouldn't be, it got to be organic. People, fans are not stupid. They know when something real and something, something's fake. So, you got to figure out what your brand is and what you're selling. A person shouldn't tell you, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Because the fans going to realize, yeah, that ain't real. That right. ain't organic. So, you got to figure that out. And then, once you get figure that out and get things going, then you can bring in a manager to help you to take care of everything else. Absolutely. So make sure you get an artist, because a lot of times artists complain about managers, but they have nothing to manage. Right. You don't, you don't post on social media. You don't record consistently. You don't have a catalog of songs. You barely, you barely get your songs mixed and mastered, but you want the manager to turn water into wine. His name is not Jesus or Jesus. <laughs> He's a, he or she is a manager. So make sure you give your manager something to manage. That's key. Yes. That's key. All right, sirs. So now we're changing uh, gears into catalog acquisitions. Yes. Catalog acquisitions is what? So look at it like this. The, the writers or the artists that we love from back in the day, they had big records, the Marvin Gaye's, the Lionel Richie's, the Smoker Romp, the New Editions, the... Michael Jackson, people like that, they had old catalogs. So they still making money every quarter or, or biannually from their publishing their PROs, right? Right. It can be PRO means? Uh, performance rights organizations. So like ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC. Absolutely. So they have a catalog, a back catalog. Yes. Right? So which earns money for them every year, whether they put out new records or not. The thing is, the catalogs don't go up every year. It goes down. Right. Right. Unless you get a big sink. So. And a big sink is, I'm, I'm breaking oh, it down because people don't know. We sink. know this language. A sink don't. is when you're getting a song in a commercial, in a TV show, or a movie, okay. or something like that. And it, it puts a spikes on, spike on your catalog and the record, and the earnings go up. Absolutely. So pretty much people are selling their back catalog. Right. It has nothing to do with the new records. It's only the back catalog, the records that came out of earning money. Gotcha. So that's what the back catalog is. So I'm in the catalog acquisition space of helping these people sell the catalog. Uh, they may need, and the misconception is people sell the catalog when they broke. That's not true. Right. You sell your catalog because you might have something that you, you might want to uh, start a real estate company. You might, might want to build a studio. So you have things that you need funds for that you need the funds. So people sell their back catalog for that. So when you sell your back catalog, do you sell 100% of it or a percentage of it? You can sell whatever you want to sell. You can sell 100%, 75%, 50%. You can sell on your publishing side. You can sell on your PRO, writer side. Right. So you can do it. It's different ways to do this. However you want to do it. Absolutely. So now when you do these acquisitions um, and you sell it, how long is it sold for? It's sold for the life. So, but the difference is, a lot of times when I talk to people again, everybody was like, no, nah, I'm not going to sell my catalog because this is my legacy and I want to leave it for my kids. Well, that's because people are uneducated and don't know the law, right? right. So a law overrides any 
contract that you sign. You can sign a contract that say lifetime, perpetuity, whatever it is. It don't matter what your person is say, because it's a U.S. law, uh, the 35-year copyright reversion, meaning in 35 years, your Kellogg come back to you. And 90% of the people don't know that, right? right? So once I explained to them that, they went and verified with the attorney, and they told them to, and that's how I was able to get a lot of people to sell the Kellogg. Absolutely. Because it comes so, back to, so it's almost like you leasing your catalog. Right. But this is your publishing side. The writer's side is gone, but your publishing side come back to you in 35 years. But the flip side of it is, it's almost like, say for instance, you signed the ASCAP and your term is over, right? You can renew that, that next year, but you got to send the letter in within that, that, that one window. month period. Right. So same thing with the copyright reversion. You got to send the letter in within that period. If you don't, guess what they do? Roll Rolls over. over. Right. So, and that's the thing that people know. They're just uneducated. Right. So, you know, that's my job to educate people on how this works, and that's how I'm able to have a lot of success in it because I'm educating them on things they didn't know. And these are the A-list writers and producers that don't know that. Right. So now, let's say you're an independent artist, mm -hmm. and you got a decent... There's, there's Brent Fias is an independent artist. Yes. There are artists that have great catalog on deck that could possibly later on down the line participate in something like this. Yeah, he's earning, he's earning more than 80% of the signed big-name artists that you know. A month? Yes, period. Oh, period. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> period. Just, yeah. So this can be done as an independent artist. Absolutely. Right. So independent artists out there in TV land watching this right now, this could be you. You have access to this. This is something that we don't talk about, especially in our community, because we don't know nothing about it. That's why I brought Cersei here, because I want to really touch on this, because this is huge. This, this thing here changes lives. Imagine starting a trucking company because you were able to do catalog acquisition and now your trucking company you, you got you a couple million bucks and now your trucking company is making 50,000 a month for life because trucks are not stopping ladies and gentlemen you see there's a shortage right now today in truck in, in, in uh, the supply chain the supply chain includes trucks yes. so now you can take money and invest into something else so what we're trying to do is show you we, we, we introduced the mental health piece with Dr. Daniels we're introducing the entertainment piece with with, with Doctor <laughs> Cersei. I mean, he's an honorary doctor. In my eyes. He helped me make a lot of money, so he's an honorary honorary doctor him today. So y'all show him some love for being an honorary doctor. There we Doctor Cersei, <laughs> right? But now we also Cersei and I are sitting up here showing you a financial literacy piece in this business where you can continue to take your intellectual property, which is something that you came up with. And you're making money off of now you're taking it and you're able to pull from that intellectual property and then making an investment if you do it the right way meaning owning your material yeah let's talk about ownership while we touching that right now okay when you do when artists do deals mm -hmm. and I, I spoke with Cersei about this when I was doing a deal with an artist um, there's an ancillary piece. You spoke about it before. The ancillary piece is the 360 piece of your deal, artist. Yes. Yep. So there's an ancillary piece in your deal. Mm -hmm. What is a good range, you think, percentage-wise, for the ancillary piece, for the 360? A, for a person to commission a client on? Yes, sir. 10% um, to 20%. 10 to 20%. No more than 20%, correct? I, I wouldn't recommend that, but there's some people that does do it. But right. I wouldn't do it. i say 10 20% is fair. It's fair. Yes. Got you. And that's because of the effort that they're putting in on their side, correct? Absolutely. Right. So they deserve to get paid for. Absolutely. They get paid for the, the work that they put in. Yep. Now, as far as the master side, 
you know, you there's a lot of talk about you own your master, own your master this, own your master. That's a big thing nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes sense when it comes to the ownership of your masters? Let's break down owning your masters as opposed to not owning your masters. If you do not own your, if you own your masters, what are you responsible for as your artist, as an artist? You're responsible for everything if you own it. But I would say the flip side is, you know, you know, we're we're trained to always own your masters, own your masters, but. If you don't know what to do with it, then what difference does it make? A lot of people that own their masters and they're not making no money. Right. So sometimes you might need a extra, some help or a booster. You might need to get with a machine. So right. uh, Some artists need that machine behind them. Absolutely, because they're not going to work hard to get it Absolutely. off themselves. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, it's a great thing to own your masters, but if, if you feel like you need some help, then take the help. Absolutely. Take a deal. Right. So, and in, in, the, in the owner, master, in the ownership of the master, what the what does the label get for that, for for having some ownership in your master? What what do they give you? What do they give the artists? I should say for that. Well, it varies. Some deals vary. You know, you can get a twelve to twenty percent royalty rate, and some be more favorable. It just it depends on the leverage that you come in with. Absolutely. It's all it's, it's, it's all about the leverage. All about leverage, which is what we spoke spoke about earlier. Yes. Now, in having leverage and coming in with leverage, when when you do a deal with the label. What should you be looking for as their responsibility when it comes to marketing, branding, merchandising, and things of that nature? What is something, now? because every deal is different, but what is something good to look for in that area? Well, first for me, like I said earlier, everything is just about passion, right? right? So, you know, I look at a label, a major label or independent distributor the same. Who is going to be the right partner for me? And it's going to be about who's most passionate about me as an artist and the music that I do, right? Because sometimes people be dope artists and then they go sign a deal and the artists and here their team and the A&R team at the label have different visions. They feel like you should be doing this and your brand is that and y'all clash and bump heads. You either don't come out or you're going to give in and do what they want to do and it's not the right thing and your fan base don't ain't buying into it. Right. So for me, I would say passion, someone who really believe in me as an artist or right. believe in the team. Right. That's the first thing. And then you just got to figure out who makes sense for the type of artist you are. When we did our deal with Jacob, we had a lot of labels coming. We had a real bid in war, but we felt like Jive made the most sense for Jacob because Jacob was a superstar. He was a singer and a dancer. At the time, Jive had Usher and Chris Brown, which was similar to what Jacob do, so they understood what to do with that type of artist. So right. that made sense for us. Right. That Even though they sense. had a different vision once we got there, but that made sense for us. So I would say that, like, look at the label that you're signing to because everybody's not a great fit. Right. Right, because yeah, yeah. everybody want to be on a popular label. Yeah. Back in the day, all of us want to be on Bad Boy. Yeah. We couldn't rap or nothing. Yeah. Everybody, wanted, everybody wanted to, <laughs> right. told you that we won't stop and all that type of stuff. So you got to find yeah. somebody that believes in you and just just the right fit for you. Absolutely, that makes sense. So make sure y'all got, make sure you understand the concept of it goes back to the research. Make sure that it's in line with what you are as an artist. Or when you sign, uh, let's go let's go to songwriter. When you sign a publishing deal, what are you looking for? Same thing, passion. The person that signed you, do they really believe in your type of writing style? How many people they got that are similar to you? Like, because when you think about Sony and Universal, they got a thousand songwriters. I mean, a thousand, thousand people signed to them. But most of these published companies are heavy producer driven, and then they need a lot of top liners. So find the one that don't have a lot of people that specialize in what you do. Right? Absolutely. Right. That so I look sense. at it from that, that angle. Right. A lot of people, the problem is people, when they look at publishing this and artist deal, they only care about who getting the most money. You can get all this money and then don't get the real push that you need because this person really didn't believe you. They just bought into the hype and they gave you all this money, but they don't believe you and don't get you. 
I agree with that. I watched the interview the other day with Damon Thomas from the underdog. Remember we did work with yep. the underdog. Absolutely. So he told a story of how he had a publishing company that wanted to give him over half a million dollars to sign. First air, first thing everybody said, sign a deal, right? <laughs> but then he talked about how Babyface wanted to sign him. And Babyface said, I, I don't, I'm not gonna, I can't give you the money they give you. But the opportunities and the knowledge I'm gonna give you, you're gonna be able to make way more than that. So exactly. instead of taking the big check, he worked with Babyface. Yep. And we know by him working with Babyface, he was able to join forces the later underdogs. on. Harvey Mason yep. to join the underdogs. And I, mean, I remember one year we was walking, we were, our, the, the connect was pattering ourselves after them. They did 100 placements in a year. 100 placements. We could not believe when we saw that. They did 100 placements. If y'all, back in the day, if you know how hard that was, if the underdog <laughs> was if the underdog was on your project and you had 10 songs, they did eight. Yeah. It was two slots left. That's literally how they was doing. Yeah, but what you just said was he chose to follow somebody that, that the passion and that believed in. Absolutely. Yeah. That was the purpose of me telling that story. Yeah. He went to the passion and believing over the money because he still, he would have blew through that 500. That 500 ain't nothing. But now he got residual for life because he, he chose the right path. And the things that he learned, money couldn't buy. Because the people who gave him the check couldn't teach him what Babyface taught him. Why? Because Babyface did it over and over and over. Whether, he, whether it was Whitney Houston or Boys the Men. Yep. <laughs> whether it was Tony Braxton or whoever else. He did it over and over and over again. The people that was writing him checks probably never did it. Facts. So make sure you follow the passion and not just the paycheck. But you also want to make your passion your paycheck. Absolutely. Don't get it twisted. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So don't, don't get it twisted now. Make sure you make your passion your paycheck. Because when you do that, you do not work. I'm up here right now. I'm having fun. I'm at work. Do it look like I'm working to you? <laughs> I'm not working. I'm enjoying what I do because I'm making my passion. You don't understand what I'm saying. Thanks. Okay, to wrap this thing up, sirs, if someone was interested in learning about catalog acquisitions, what, what should they, where would they start? Uh, honestly, how I started was a mentor because there's no books out there that teach you catalog acquisition. Right. Honestly, if you think about the catalog acquisition space, it's probably two or three black people doing it, period, in the whole industry. And we got one of them, y'all. Just in case y'all didn't know this is yeah. a black man, in case y'all didn't realize, yeah, yeah, we got one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I was said I went to, I went left field when I started catalog acquisition. There's not a lot of us doing this business because right. we don't understand it. Right. So, you know, I went and found my niche, and that's why I'm having a lot of success. It's not cluttered, and... You know, I'm able to educate people on the business. So I'm, I'm offering education and I'm offering a service. Absolutely. Yes. And that's key. In anything you do, if you can offer something that people use every day, you will continue to eat for the rest of your life. People listen to music every single day. Songs play on DSPs and on radio stations and on television and on TV and film every single day. What he's doing is offering a service that services those in those type of fields. So make sure when you begin to pivot and grow that you make it in areas where it is services that are needed. This brother started as a basketball player, went from being a basketball player to a manager, went from being a manager to a motivational coach to all the clients that he had, went from being a motivational coach to all the clients he had to being a coach of a team, Crown World Entertainment, Went from being a coach of a team to an acquisition master 
where he teaches. I've seen him do deals with people. Sirs, I don't want a real like number, but would you say you've done over $5 million worth of deals and acquisitions? I just did a deal that was 20 times more than that. 20 times, I said five million, so what's five million times 20? Y'all see why he's shining. So I, I would say it like this, right? When people start in the business, the two things is fame and money for everybody, right? Absolutely. But when, once you get to a space where you can sell your catalog, that's the biggest check you're gonna get in your career. Absolutely. So it's like you work all these years, you make a lot of money, you get a lot of fame, but once you get to a space where you're able to have a catalog to sell, that's gonna be the biggest check you get at one time, period, in your career. Absolutely. And so, that's a wire, not a check, right? No, that's a wire. Oh, that's Straight a wire. Account. That, ain't no check. But that's going to sit there for 366 <laughs> yes. days before they yes. clear it. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So, so it's, it's like, it's like you know, at certain times in the business, the real estate market high, it go up. Everything has up and down. Right now, catalogs is just the, it's the hottest thing in the business. So that's why you think about all the hedge funds, everybody getting into the catalog, catalog acquisition space. And they're paying big money for it. Yes. You, I remember us, we were in Miami. Uh, a couple years ago, and you introduced me to a gentleman who 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 owns a catalog acquisition. I think his name was Adam. Sound Royalties. Sound Royalties, yeah. Alex Heike. Yep. Yep. You introduced me to this gentleman, billionaire guy. Yes. And he brought the gentleman to the studio, and you could tell the gentleman wasn't like a big studio individual, but he was interested in them catalogs. Absolutely. Now, think about the company you keep when you when you sit in the studios with billionaires because of what you do. That's not a normal thing. Cause it's it's a it's quite a few billionaires, but it's not a quite a few that, that we got access to. Right. He brought him to us. Cersei brought him to us. And that's when I start calling them big billion sirs. <laughs> he bringing billionaires to the, to the table. Well, one more thing I want to say too, like, you know, a lot of time when I talk to clients, you know, in the music business, people always say, we work so hard as black people, and then we sell our music off to the white people and the Jews, which is nothing wrong with that, right? But then, you know, what the new fund that I just got brought on with is a company called Harborview Equity Partners, which is owned by Sharice Clark Sorries. It's the biggest fund in the industry right now, and it's a black female. So a lot of time when people say, we, we, we do our music and we give we sell off to the white and the Jews, well, this is a black lady now. So if you want to do some selling, <laughs> we, got some, we, got, we got some color right. in the field. We now. got the biggest fund in the industry. Right, biggest fund in the industry. So think about this. I want to introduce this because this is something people are going to sell you on all the other parts of the industry. But we, what we do is we find areas where you can still make revenue. And mind you, all those other fields are great. You're going to shine. You're going to look good. You're going to party. You're going to pop bottles. But this one right here, the man said this is the biggest check you're going to get at one time. Absolutely. This is the end game. You know when they say when you start something, figure out what your end, end game is. This yep. is the end game in the music business, being this, able to sell your catalog. See what I'm saying? This is the end game. So make sure when you start something, you have an end game. When my sister, the fashion doctor slash therapist, came with the flyness, her end game when she started was to help her community. Yep. She's doing it right now. I'm sure there's another twist and turn, but when she started, she had an end game. When I got in the industry, I, ha I have an end game. It might be catalog acquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> Great move. That's a great move. <laughs> Search had to say it's a power move, so I might be switching my my end game. Yes. In closing, Search, what word of encouragement, word of or a gem that you want to leave right here 
for the people here that's joining us. I thank everybody for coming out. And then all those in the, in the TV land. What words would you leave them uh, as, you, as you depart? I would say just that anything you do, build a great team, uh, be consistent, and trust the process. One thing about the process, it's going to give you some ups and some downs. You're going to have to tap into the, what was that thing you had? The, 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 po the positive neural network. I wish we knew about positive neural network. Because, yes. boy, we probably would have waves in the high top right now still if we knew about that back in the day. Yes. But make sure you tap into that. That's key. Make sure you put that in your repertoire because that right there, if we had that back in the day, instead of us stressing on how we was going to figure out this and figure out that, right. we could have thought better. Absolutely. We could have had a better game plan. But what we was doing, we was making decisions under stress instead of getting ourselves. You never want to make a decision emotionally, a business decision emotionally. Because what it does is it takes away the, the, um, the thought process of what all of your options are. Because you're going to see the option that's going to get you out the fastest that may not be the smartest. All right. So, sirs, man, I want to thank you for getting on the plane, bro. I know you don't do these things. I was going to say thank you. This is my first, y'all, this is my first time doing a live interview. Oh, hey, so man. I've been asked for 20 years to do them, and I always say no. <laughs> I couldn't tell C no, no, no. Man, I appreciate that, man. Just like Rico couldn't tell him no and write uh, the hit record for Usher. Now, y'all remember when Cersei doing something crazy, he on Oprah and all these other people, he started with C note, all right? He started <laughs> right here. So, when he doing his big things, and I asked him to come back. He better not try to charge me because he did, <laughs> he did, he did his first one right here. <laughs> so listen, you always got to remember, very few people will consider the journey. They will only see the outcome. So make sure in all of your journey, your ups and downs, you're enjoying the view as you're going. And remember, if there are things that you want to do, a woman told me this, and this as we close, I was sitting in the airport, and she said, this was an older white lady in her 70s and 80s. An older white woman said to me, young man, she sat next to me. I look real thuggish, so I was shocked that she even sat next to me. You know what I'm saying? She said, young man, I got this old, and if I can tell you anything, anything you want to do, try it, because you don't want to get my age and live with regret of what could have. He said, she, I would rather for you to try it and fail than to not try it at all because you will become my age thinking about all of the things that you should have tried, right. but you were too scared to fail. And in closing, in everything you do, no matter how old you are, no matter how, when you, if you think it's too late to start, one thing about a dream, we all have them, but they never expire, all right? Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Y'all be blessed, and we'll see you next month. This is your boy, Chaz C. No Roper, the creator and host of Amplifier Community Connection. Amplifier is a free artist development program powered by Radio Milwaukee. Each episode is filmed and recorded in front of a live studio audience at Radio Milwaukee Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Stay connected with Amplifier by registering for our free events or watch us live on Facebook at AmpMKE. You can also follow us on Instagram at MKE as well. Thank you for listening. And remember, dreams never expire.